Welcome to the Kesset Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and hope you enjoyed today's sermon. If you'd like to find out more about Kesset, you can head to kessetchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Hey, good morning. How's everybody? Listen, there is some energy in this room right now. And uh, I just want to stop and appreciate all that God did uh, already up to this point. I am so thankful for all the hands that went up. Uh, it's just amazing to see what he does. And so um, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to shift gears without just saying, isn't, isn't our God amazing? Isn't he amazing? So amen. Uh, my name is Danny. I'm going to share with you today. I'm one of the pastors here at Kesed. I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going we're gonna to dive into uh, this topic up on the screen, this phrase, glory to glory. It's something that we find in God's word. And let me just tell you what's going to happen at the end of service, which I don't do a lot. But it's a song uh, that the guys from Iron Bell wrote. And uh, it's a very special song. And uh, we've, we've sang it here before. But to have the original artist come here and sing it, I think, is really special. Because, you know, they're, they're decent. They're okay. And so... <laughs> Why not? Why not have them sing what they're known for? But uh, it, it's really special, but I, I want to talk about it because I want it, I want it to have as much meaning as it should. And I think that the phrase glory to glory uh, might be a little misunderstood by some of us if we've not really looked at what the Bible says about that and how important that is for us as Christians uh, in our journey uh, of faith. So uh, let me pray. Let me just ask that God would remove any distractions. And then uh, let's just spend some time talking with him about his word and who he is and experiencing his presence. Amen? Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, in this room right now, there are so many people uh, from so many different backgrounds walking so many different paths uh, with so many different experiences sitting in this chair right now. It's absolutely impossible, God, for any song or any message to reach every single heart. And Lord, that's why we have you. You take uh, our efforts and you use them to meet people where they are. And so, Lord, I ask that that's exactly what would happen that there wouldn't be any distractions, that nothing that we brought with us would be in the way, that we would be able to, to hear directly from you, Lord, from your spirit, even if we're in a place of great doubt or frustration or anger. Lord, may you push through that. May you pour into people's lives right where they are, meeting their every need, for this, Lord, will be, bring so much glory to you. We are thankful today that we get to talk about you. We get to sing about you. We get to just be your church, Lord. We appreciate all you're doing, and we lift your name above it all. Amen. Amen. Uh, I'm going to, I've done a few messages like this before, and I didn't warn last service, so I had a few people tell me that I should have. But uh, every once in a while, we have messages that are a little like drinking from a fire hydrant around here when it comes to Scripture. There are, there are a lot of scripture poured over uh, a lot of different angles. And so I want to just tell you right away, all the verses will be on the screen. If you have a Bible, you can try to keep up. But uh, I have an iPad, so I have a feeling I'm going to be faster than you. Uh, and all of the notes are on our app. So if you want to go back and, and find all these individual verses, they are all on our church app. You can find all the notes there. Uh, because I want to make sure you understand that what I'm sharing today isn't from me. It's from him. It's from his book. It's from what he wrote for us. But I think this topic is really big for me to just go into pure story time. I really want us to see in Scripture how God has laid this out before us. And so uh, I'm going to give you a few. Uh, I'm going to start off with one of many because this glory to glory concept is sprinkled all throughout God's living word. But the one I'm going to launch out of is 2 Corinthians 3.18 and this is it. 
It says, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So this idea from glory to glory that Paul is sharing really sums up our entire Christian life, and that's why we should pay attention to it, because he says this is important for you guys to realize. As a matter of fact, it's so important that Paul basically starts from that second, that third chapter in uh, Corinthians and moves all the way through the fifth chapter, sharing why this idea of glory to glory living is so valuable. There's a great deal of content packed into these few words. And we know this, but I don't know if we like know it. We, we understand it. We can see it's important. We hear it a lot. People write songs about it. It's a big deal. But do we as Christians really use it within our prayer lives, within our testimony lives? Do we, actually, uh, uh, do we actually employ it into our spiritual journey as it should be employed? Do we, do we lock it in? Or is it just something we go to church and hear about or play in our car? I think it's a big question, and so I want to spend a little time on it. Let's start with some context. Uh, we know the story of Moses. We know that, that God used him to lead the people uh, out of Egypt, they were, they were trapped there. They had been there for 400 years, multiple generations. They had a slavery mindset, a bondage body. They were built uh, to, to work for other people, and that's just all they thought they were. And God comes along, and he says, listen, I'm going to free these people, and I'm going to use my glory to do it. And so he plagues Egypt over and over and over, bringing glory to him for the fact that he is the maker of all things. Eventually, Pharaoh says, I can't handle all this glory. You guys got to go. Moses leads the people out. And there's this massive manifestation of God's glory. There's this pillar of fire by night and pillar of smoke by day that leads the people all through Egypt. And we know this story. Eventually, Pharaoh changes his mind because that's what the world likes to do. The world gets overwhelmed, and then it goes, ah, it can't can't help it. And he goes back after, and so Moses comes to a Red Sea, and he's like, God, I don't know what to do. And God's like, don't worry, I'm going to show you my glory. And boom, parts the sea. Moses walks through. Pharaoh decides he's going to pass through as well because people love to ride the glory trail of God, right? They love to ride wherever he's going. And so they get involved and they go down the path and suddenly God's like, yeah, that's not how my glory works. Smash. They're all gone. <laughs> this is a pretty callous version of the story, by the way. I could make it way more spiritual and colorful, but we're trying to go somewhere. These people now are used to seeing the glory of God by day and night. They understand that there's something more about their lives than what they thought they were. God wants to change them. And so he uses Moses, and he shares with Moses, and he shows Moses, and Moses kind of begins to exemplify this very pre-Christ sort of figure who he goes before God, and then he shares a message of life. And he goes before God, and he shares a message of life. And and eventually, uh, it says that Moses spent so much time with God and and was hidden in the cleft that God covered with his hand. He covered and passed by, and Moses glowed. The man glowed. He was so close to God that, I mean, if I could glow inside my sermons, do you know how awesome that would be? I would never not glow. I would, I'd brush my teeth glowing. My wife would be like, can you stop glowing? And I'm like, this is how holiness brushes its teeth, okay? (laughs) My wife's in the back like, yeah, that's why you don't glow, so... I would, though. I would turn on the glow all the time. People cut me off. My whole car would just go, I mean, it would just be glow Danny all day long, every day. 
Moses only glows when he comes down from, from being with God, and it leaves after a time of being separate from God. Because at this time, the glory of God is really just there. It's in this place that people aren't. But Moses is building this bridge between God and these people, and the glow that he brings with him is this idea that I've just been with God. And people see that in Moses, and they follow Moses, and God slowly unpacks them until eventually he uses the power of his glory to give them something they can touch in the form of his commandments. This is really the first glory of God that Paul's talking about that I'm going to unpack. It's the old covenant law. He says, you are no longer slaves. This is how you are to think. Don't covet. Don't murder. Don't do this. Don't do this. Do this. Do this. Do this. Don't do this. Do this. He goes through this list, and he says, this is how you are to be. This is how you are to obey me. And he gives it to Moses, and Moses comes down, and he sees that the people forgot about the glory of God, and he has a small temper tantrum, and he breaks those tablets, reminding us that this particular covenant is flawed because it takes sometimes men in order to hold it. What a bummer to have to go back to God to get new tablets. Like, like have you ever, it's a whole other story, but have you ever thought about, like, would you disappoint your boss or your family or somebody? It's like, man, I'm, I'm so embarrassed. Moses was like, oh, okay, back up the hill. Like, what a, what, a, what a word picture. But he goes before God, and God is gracious and, and gives him new tablets. This old covenant was given to Moses directly from God, Exodus 31, 18, and he gave to Moses when he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai the two tablets of the testimony. They were tablets of stone, and listen to the words, they were written with the finger of God. This is really the root of our Christian faith. It's the glory we're coming from. Because it's the first time God said, you don't have to be what the world says you are. You don't have to be slaves. You don't have to be in bondage. You don't have to be broken. You can be more, and my glory will show you the way. So follow my fire. Follow my smoke. Follow my ways of being, and I will transform you from the inside out. Or better yet, at this time, from the outside in. Obey everything I'm telling you, and watch what happens in your life. It's a beautiful picture, and it's glory that we're coming from. Paul adds this about it. He says, so the law is holy... And the commandment is holy and righteous and good. He says this was a good thing. This was a blessing. Like the stone it was written on, though, everyone knows that the law was inflexible and absolute, applying to all Israelites without much regard for individual circumstance. Hebrews 10.28 defines it this way. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. Two or three people get together and go, Danny did that, and Danny's dead. Danny broke this commandment. No, I didn't. Frank said you did. Well, that's only two. Frank and Bob said you did. Well, that sucks. That's what that does. <laughs> I mean, it's just really difficult situation. But the laws were put in place to accomplish something powerful. The laws, I'll put it on the screen, was an external force to control behavior. To take people from what they were, which was these people of great destruction that knew nothing but, but bondage, and bring them into people of life who were committed to one wife and one husband, who were committed to respecting parents, who were committed to doing things that were moral and upright. Another way to see, the, see that law would be as a temporary guardian until something better came along. Galatians 3, 23 through 25 says, Now before faith came, we were all held captive under the law. Okay, this is referring to those Israelites and to the people all the way up till this time. We were imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian 
until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. God's original law was cold and written in stone. It was put in a place for the goal of redemption and sanctification on earth. And yet even stone, despite its strength, is earthly and will eventually wear away, making space for something new. And into this paradigm walks Jesus. And he's like, I got some words for you regarding the old law. And this new law, this new movement, this new thing that I'm about to start that we know as the new covenant or the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul is proclaiming that something has forever changed. That something is happening from the old glory of the law to this new glory of the gospel, which far surpasses the old in every way. The new covenant isn't just rules to live by from the outside. The new covenant is something that happens to you within the inside. The new covenant forgives us of our sin and gives us life. The old law couldn't do that. There had to be sacrifices. There had to be a system that worked within the ways that Moses said the people should behave. And Jesus came and he said, I'm going to finish and complete all those things. And now I am going to become the way, the truth, and the life. I am the system. I am the gateway. I am the altar. I am how you move into this holy of holies that you so desire and have this thirst quenched within you. For I am the living water. John 6, 63 says, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. And this new covenant is written not on stones. This new covenant is written on believers' hearts by the Holy Spirit. God wrote it on stone. He gave it to the people. And their bondage was lifted and they began to live free and within guidelines and boundaries. And they had morality that was different than other people had experienced because it was a system that worked for them at that time. But over time, the people began to manipulate it because that's what we do. They begin to use it. They begin to bribe three witnesses to go against that or six witnesses to go against that. And they begin to use it to, to separate themselves from common people and make for themselves holiness that wasn't their own. And so Jesus walks in and he says, I'm going to give you something new. Jeremiah 31, 13, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. This is a prophecy about the one who's coming. Listen to this. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them. And I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. He says, I'm going to give you a law. But it's going to be a law that's moving. It's going to be a law filled with grace and love and conviction. It's going to be a law that, that the Spirit breathes into you. The one who first created life, by the way, the one who hovered over man and breathed life into his nostrils, Jesus says, I'm bringing it back. I'm going to be this for you. Meaning that now our obedience to God springs up within us by God-given desires rather than by threats of legal punishment. What's really funny about it, here's the funny thing about the judgment of God, and I'm just tying this together because it'll sidetrack me forever, but you were condemned by three witnesses, right? What's so funny about when we have relationship with Jesus Christ, we have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which are the ones that set us free. So it's still three witnesses. 
It's still the three witnesses, but they're breathing life into us and seeing purpose within our stories instead of stepping back and judging us like the law of stone did. They instead love within themselves and pour that love over us. So in place, I'll put it on the screen, of a cold set of writings as a guide for pleasing God, we now have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit making their home within us, all three of them, fellowshipping and loving intimacy, teaching us everything we must know and do. The temple moves with us. The, the fire and smoke are within us. We suddenly are people who are pillars, Scripture says. Pillars of testimony to what? God's glory, people. We are pillars of smoke by day and pillars of fire by night for the glory of God within us, proclaiming in the desert of lostness to everybody who wants to know where God is. Oh, I see him in her. Oh, I can feel him in him. Oh, I'm experiencing a love I don't deserve or, or a, a relationship that I don't understand. How could you possibly engage with me in such a way? Oh, it's easy, friend. It's not me. It's the Holy Spirit who first forgave me that now implores me to forgive you. I've employed somebody much bigger than this worldly rule. I'm not bound by these temple laws. I am instead set free by the Spirit of God. The gospel truth is as permanent, eternal, and spiritual as God himself, rather than temporary and earthly. And Paul himself is so intent on directing Christians to focus on the spiritual glory of the new covenant rather than the physical glory of the old that he compares the two types of glory by recalling how when Moses received the first laws of God, he absorbed and reflected God's glory for a time after being in presence, after being in his presence. But here's what you need to understand is that that glory was reflected upon the outside of him by the external presence of God. But what we need to realize is that though Moses' glow had a spiritual cause, there was nothing spiritual within him that caused it. Anyone could see it. Regardless of their relationship with God, they recognized that something significant happened to Moses. But when the Holy Spirit comes, when the new covenant comes, 2 Corinthians 3 says, and you, and you show that you are a letter from Christ, a written letter from Christ, delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. This letter of Christ is a light within us, not outside us. This is what Paul's describing in 2 Corinthians 4. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. When we accept Jesus, when you people who raised your hands earlier accepted Jesus, the light of Jesus Christ, the one who is the light in the darkness, fills your life and now you in in part of that relationship, become light as well in the darkness. And it's not about this light that comes to the outside of you that's experience-based and, oh, great worship service. Oh, man, great sermon. I'm so glowing. Oh, I spent time with God. He gave me these tablets. And after a week, it fades away. No, this is eternal. This is spiritual. This is from inside you and inside me. And it's the light of Jesus that shines out through our eyes and blows people away when we walk into dark places and don't respond like we're filled with darkness. How amazing is that? See, we're not called to be light in light. There's no power when you, when you, if I grab a flashlight and light up this room and yet turn up all the lights, there's no power. The light comes when I walk into darkness and remain filled with light. Anybody, by the way, can love the scripture. How I don't. (laughs) 
Listen, I know in our culture right now it's a big deal to accept people. And for many people, the highest value is acceptance. But, but drug lords accept other drug lords. Okay? People of great violence accept other people of great violence. Acceptance is not the highest value. Truth is the highest value. And if we're going to walk, if we're going to walk, are you done? Okay, if we're going to walk, we have time to clap later. If we're going to walk into darkness, I'm here to tell you, it doesn't show that you're a better Christian because you have the ability to absorb some of that darkness, act and talk like them. If you have light inside your life and you walk into darkness and you walk into immorality, people will be uncomfortable because you will display light that exposes them and their sadness for what it is. That's what this glory to glory idea is all about. There was a glory that God bestowed upon us that we got to see and touch and feel, but it was external. When Jesus came and he died for us, it became internal. And now we are the hands and feet of Christ, Spirit says, and it is our job, yes, to accept people, but to move into people's lives. Do you realize every single time Jesus Christ came across somebody that was broken or filled with darkness, the first thing he did was show empathy, the second thing he did was show grace, and the last thing he did was speak truth. Every single time, there's not a version or verse that shows otherwise. You can't do two out of three. You can't, you can't just do truth without empathy. You can't, you can't uh, just do, just do uh, empathy and grace and never share anything because it might offend somebody. You've got to walk into that place with the glory of Jesus Christ in your life because it is only the glory of Jesus Christ that's going to change other people and bring them out of the darkness they're in. This is what people experience when it means they transform. They transform when they move from glory to glory because glory to glory has this effect on people. It's this supernatural power of transformation that speaks to so many people and changes them into something more than themselves. And then lastly, before Paul finishes with the topic of being transformed from glory to glory, Paul represents yet one more astonishing claim, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. He says we are filled and we are changed. This is the invitation the Lord makes to all Christians to have our lives radically transformed here and now by opening our eyes to see the glorious journey he is taking us on from glory to glory glory. We have a beautiful responsibility, and the only thing we have to do is be a part of the process, willing to walk where God asks us to walk, to sit in the uncomfortableness of following him out into the middle of a river that's split open, or out into a desert where there seems to be no water. We used to have to see his glory from a distance, but now we can grab the hand of another believer, look into their eyes, and smile under the attack of the opposition that God is with us and he is bigger than all things and everyone. You see, the song we're about to sing proclaims that. And that's why I wanted you to understand it. Because it's not just a song. It's a truth that Jesus has asked you to build your life upon. And so when we take this moment to reflect this truth back on him, may you, may you experience the love of God in your life as he fills your darkness with light, as he fills the areas in my life I try to keep hidden, as he exposes me and leads me and receives me and convicts me and forgives me and restores me. I'm going to have the worship team come up. 
I know he's going to have you stand, so just get prepared for it. <laughs> Let's just pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for what it is you are doing here. We thank you, Lord, for who it is you are sharing yourself with. We recognize, God, that it is, it is not about what we see, Lord, but about how we experience this world around us and how we follow you and listen to you, how we love you in response to the way you love us. We are so blessed, God. We are overwhelmed with the glory of your presence. May we be the light you've asked us to be. May we reach those, Lord, who need to be reached. May we be the hands and feet of you. So, Lord, we sing this song to you now in proclamation of your amazing glory. For you are our God. We are your children. Amen. We stand up. That is so good. Um, if you're like me, I think, uh, you know, a song like, uh, and a passage like this of, of talking about the going from glory to glory, we often as uh, Christians, we can think, I'm still waiting for my first deposit of glory. Are you with me? You, you know what I mean? So here's the truth. The reality is we've already been given some glory. We're, we start at glory and we're going from glory to glory. That is a huge truth. And the only thing that you have to do, honestly, to kind of walk in that reality is believe. When the, when the apostles approached Jesus and said, Jesus, what's the work that, that God requires? Believe. Believe in the one the Father sent. That's it. All we have to do is believe. Now, we find in his word says, you know, believing comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. The message was just preached. The word, the gospel, the truth of us going from glory to glory was just preached out loud. It's his word, not ours. All we have to do is start believing that we start in a place, in a position of sonship, that as sons of the living God, that he, Jesus even said in John 17, God, give them the glory that you gave me when I was with you before I even came to the earth as a little baby. Give it to them. Why? so we can give it back. That's it. It's all about his glory. At the same time, he wants to glorify his sons so we can give him something. Because if he doesn't, we don't have anything to offer him. So let's just press in as we sing this song and start believing it. Amen. Are you complete? I believe you'll turn my mic on. Glory, glory to glory. And I believe you never stop taking me. Glory to glory, glory to glory. Nothing that you miss, oh. 
Father, if it's not beautiful yet, this sounds really cheesy, but I'm going to say it anyways. If it's not beautiful yet, it's going to be. Because that is the way you work. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you all. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful day. Take care.